Just a quick sidebar note, and I'm saying this for a friend. The depth of love that you have for Jesus should be demonstrated by your love for one another. Just saying for a friend. Amen? We want to do... Robert Henderson, could you come up, brother? Robert and I have been meeting and talking about um, just kind of seeing spiritually where people are at. You know, you can be... I think Robert has a quote, the one about being wide and shallow. Someone said there's a lot of people in the body of Christ that are a mile wide and an inch deep, but he said now it needs to correct it. We're a mile wide and a half an inch deep. And that's not where I want to be, and I know that's not where this congregation wants to be. So I was talking to Doug and, and had an idea about a survey and just to measure where we were because in our in, with our uh, group that we were doing, we... Um, going through a business leadership school, and it's about a worldview for the marketplace. And I asked some questions. One of the questions had to do with um, how people, how happy they were with their devotional life. And, and I found out that there's, you know, the, the largest room in the world is a room for improvement. <laughs> and so I found out there's some people that would like to improve their relationship with the Lord. And there's probably some people in here that can probably teach all of us a lot about a wonderful devotional time with the Lord. A while back, Mickey, anybody remember Mickey Robinson? <clears throat> Mickey Robinson was out here, and I keep in touch with Mickey, and he, he says, I got some books I want to give you. So he gives me this book. It's called The First Hour for Men. And it has to do with starting your day Right. And as reading through that, um, I thought, you know, there is a lot of room for improvement. And there's a lady named Jermaine Copeland that has spent her life in prayer ministry and teaching prayer ministry. And so in this book, this 30 day devotion, it's 18 strategic prayers. And they're very strategic. And pastor said, well, what about if we come up with something for women as well. And I thought, well, we're going to have to have some help on that one. So we came up with this this survey. And I, I, I just said, well, how happy are you with your quote-unquote sacred time with the Lord? And I have a friend named Michael Pink, and he says distraction is warfare. And so I know that Jesus had a lot of interruptions. Every miracle he did was an interruption. He was always on his way someplace. So a question I had was, how do you know the difference between a distraction and an interruption? Because there is possible, I said, I asked a question, do you think it's possible that an interruption could be disguised as a distraction? And a distraction could be disguised as an interruption. It seems like when it comes to spending time with the Lord, there is plenty of distractions and possibly some interruptions there too, because when my wife when my wife really needs some help, and I got to be paying attention because I can be in my quote unquote spiritual world when the spiritual thing I should be doing is helping my wife with something that she needs help with. So, is there anybody besides me that would like to improve in this area? 
<clears throat> okay. So the questions we had, I'll just read through these. We won't discuss them now. I'll let you write the answers to them. What time do you meet? Is it the first thing you do? I'm talking about your sacred time. If not, what comes first? And number four, how much time do you spend in the Word? Number five, how much time do you spend in prayer? Because in this book, he talks about spending time in prayer. And the prayer is all based on scriptures. So if you do use this book, I've, I've got about 13 of these extra books with me now for men. And I've got another uh, case ordered. And I'll be willing to give one to um, all the men that want them. But they talk about prayer. But the prayer is all based on scripture. So if we pray prayers that are based on scripture we've got a better chance of having those prayers happen so <clears throat> how much time do you spend in reflection or just meditating thinking about what's going on around you and where is God where are you at right now God what's going on this thing that's going on in my life where are you at where are you in this thing that's happening because sometimes we think it's the devil's pitchfork might be the very hand of God in our life <laughs> you know what I mean uh, how much time do we spend in gratitude and praise? I have a, a brother who started the C12 business men's ministry, and every day he starts out with thanking God for something that happened the day before in reflection, being thankful for whatever it is, your family or something else that happened. Number eight, on a scale of one to ten, how happy and satisfied are you? Number nine, would you like to learn more about the first hour of prayer for men by Mark Cook? He has a pay-it-forward devotional book with a goal to help men get a strategic plan to build themselves into stronger men, build stronger marriages, families, communities, states, and nation. His premise is you can get the man right, you can get the marriage right, you can get the family right, and you can get the country right. That's his premise. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think Pastor Doug, we talked about this. In a home where you have a strong Christian man versus a strong Christian mother, what are the chances, what are the uh, odds that the children are going to be following the Lord? And there's some wonderful godly um, mothers out there and godly women out there. I'm not discounting them one bit whatsoever, but the, the facts are usually if there's a godly father in the home, the kids are going to follow in the way of the Lord. Number 10, would you like to help design one of these devotional plans for women now it's per pastor and then number 11 if you have something that works feel free to share in John 13 34 35 Jesus said a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you and what that that word new, from what I understand in the Greek, meant new in time and new in place because, you know, and I can say I bought a new car, but it's really a used car. Somebody else had it first, but it was new to me. But I understand this word new meant new in time, new in purpose, new in quality. Isn't it interesting that he would say he'd take it away, you know, we're supposed to love the Lord or God with the whole heart, soul, and mind. And I'm sure Jesus is not denying that, but he said the new one, he gave us is we can measure our love for God by how we love our brothers and sisters. It's such an amazing new commandment I give you. And he did that shortly, you know, right before that, he got done washing the feet of the disciples, including Judas. Uh, pretty amazing that he did it at that time, but a new commandment I give you.
But anyway, that's that's what we've been sharing with Pastor. I'll turn that back over to you. Our heart, if you've been listening, if you have ears to hear, for the last month and a half has been, yes, there is a gospel of salvation, but there is also a gospel of the kingdom, which, by the way, the gospel of the kingdom is what Jesus preached the most, bar none. And a lot of people are stuck on the gospel of salvation. What I mean by that is that's what they've accepted, they believe in, and they come to this point where they're sitting on the bench waiting for the Jesus bus to come. They're waiting for the quote-unquote rapture to happen. There's so much more for us to do. We've been called to walk a kingdom lifestyle. And a lot of where we've been pointing you towards is kingdom theology, getting your head and your heart around that. That's what's going to help you navigate the waters. And then we started into Matthew 13 where we talked about how Jesus would use seven parables to describe the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And by the way, those phrases are interchangeable. But instead of me just standing up here every Sunday preaching, I ask Stephen Montgomery, would you come on up? And when I asked Steve, there was no deer in the headlight look. He just said, I'm on it. I love that. And then later this uh, next week, Don Scott is going to be sharing one of the another one of the parables of the kingdom of heaven that Jesus taught in Matthew 13, which I'm really excited. And by the way, keep Sandy and I in your prayers because we're going up to a Vineyard Northwest uh, Regional Conference this week and uh, just kind of see what the Vineyard's doing overall and uh, check in. And, and uh, so be praying for us for just safe travels and stuff. But uh, can I get some leaders up here? We want to pray for this handsome young man. Come on up, guys, gals, come on. Leaders. Wow, I am so grateful for this house and all of you here. We have so many amazing gifted people. It's just a blessing. But I want to see us take this giftedness out of this house and around the country. Amen? Amen. Amen. Clyde, I saw that hand. Well, Father, I just thank you so much for Steve, for his heart, Lord, um, and his Facebook posts <laughs> that are always so encouraging and so funny, Lord. I just uh, ask that even this morning, um, he would be an encouragement, God, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, Lord, uh, what you're doing, um, another perspective, another view from Steve. Thank you for, for him. Love his heart. Just ask God you would prepare us to receive everything you, you have prepared in him to give to us. And God, may we not only be hearers of your word, but may we be doers. May we put this in the practice. Just thank you, Lord. Bless our brother. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Just a quick note about the survey. If you would slide that to the side, flip it over. And just work on that. You can turn them in next week if you would, please. And if you want to write your name on them, you can. It's optional. But I want you guys to give full attention to our brother because uh, I love this guy. I love his perspectives. Amen? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to share a little bit, not quite get into our teaching this morning. But uh, you don't know how much this church means to me and my wife. 
A few years back, we, we were living in town, and we were attending a church in town. It was, it was a good church. But uh, we ended up moving out, out this part of the country, and uh, we found out about Vineyard School, and we helped our son raise our grandson, and we wanted to enroll him up here. So the, my wife, the first day we drove up here, I think April was working in the office, and uh, we introduced ourselves and Ryder and wanted to do everything we could to enroll him in school, and April started sharing a little bit about the fellowship, because I, at the time, I didn't know much about Vineyard. I knew about Vineyard, but I didn't know a, a lot about Vineyard. I, you know, I, I found out probably back in 83, moving down to Texas, you know, I had the Holy Ghost at that time, but the only thing I knew about Vineyard is what I read in Charisma, and I knew uh, John Wimber, I knew there was a, with the Calvary Chapel connection, and then the separation because they wanted to move in the spirit, and Calvary didn't want to quite go that direction. Nothing against Calvary, but well, that's what I perceived of a vineyard at that time and what I understood. So I knew John Wimber, but I didn't get to listen to a lot of his teachings. But all I can know is that, all I can share this morning is that we came up here in April and we started coming to church here. We'd visit on and off between the church we're in town and here. And uh, we were invited to um, Jonathan's, his oldest boy's birthday party out at April's parents' house. And we got a chance to talk more with Doug and Sandy. And uh, <laughs> I walked a lot of years in self-condemnation because I pastored up to 94 and then, like I say, I, it's a long story, but I had to step away from the ministry for a while, not because of some sin, but because I had to meet the need of my family. We're first called to take care of our family, then called to take care of the church. And I shared that in the fellowship. So we moved to Vegas, and I didn't know I was going to be that long in the wilderness. I kept thinking I'd be back in the ministry. And so I walked in a lot of self-condemnation. What are you doing, Steve? And it wasn't of God, but it was of me, because I felt... I was letting God down. But at that birthday party, Doug and Sandy, were, me and my wife were sitting there and they shared. And Doug imparted, I believe, by the Spirit of God into me and my wife. And I still remember that night. He says, you know what? God's not done with you guys. The best is yet to come. I started feeding on that. We started getting planted here. Of course, there's, that was what, 20, get, by then it's getting close to around 2019 and election time, and all of a sudden here come COVID. COVID comes along, have to, you know, they wouldn't let us gather together, you know, so the church, the church had to shut down for a while because that's what the state was asking. And Doug would get on and preach on the internet. We can hear him that way. But I tell you, Right after, they let us start to meet back together. I still remember the chairs, how they're set up. You know, we had them spaced apart. Brother Doug had them spaced apart. And we'd come in, and just trying to keep in all the regulations of being able to have a meeting in open air because there was a lot of fear back then. But that first Sunday, they were able to get back together and fellowship. I must have cried the whole service. I was sitting over there, <laughs> just... The worship and the presence of the Lord, oh, the hunger that was there. And since then, I've gotten to know more people. I'm get, I remember a little bit more names. I remember faces better than I remember names. But 
Anyway, I just wanted to share that. And so, because I think we let, you know, I don't think we intentionally let it slip by this week, but it is what we call Pastor Appreciation Week. And I would like, if I can ask Doug and Sandy to come up here just for a minute and pray for them, show our appreciation for them, because I appreciate it. Could we have some of the elders to come up and pray and thank the Lord for his gift. Thank the Lord for him and Sandy's their servant's heart. They, they, they lead by example. And so we, we need to thank him for that. Amen. Did anybody want to pray? Oh, here it is. Thank you, Lord. Y'all just stretch your hands out. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for this brother and sister. Thank you, Lord. Thanks. Father, we're so grateful. Yes. We're so grateful to be a part. I'm grateful to be a part of this fellowship. There's yes. been healing in my life. Yes. Uh, and, and acceleration in so many spiritual gifts. I'm so grateful. Yes. And a lot of that is due to this leadership. Yes. Lord, we thank you for the shepherd, for the overseer. And I ask, Father, your richest blessing on Doug and yes, Sandy. Lord. May you strengthen them in their innermost being. And may yes, you fill Lord. them with um, a renewed hope and the oil of joy, especially. Yes, Keep Lord. things running smoothly. <laughs> yes, Lord. Release the oil of joy in their lives. Yes. And their family and all of their stuff. Bless it in Jesus' name. We're so grateful. And we ask, Lord, that you would just richly bless them. We acknowledge them in their leadership yes. and their role and the way they take it so seriously before you yes. to lead with integrity and honor. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus' name. Thank you, guys. God bless you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I tell you, a lot has happened this last week. Amen. I mean, look what's happened in Israel. God's not finished with Israel yet. But I know I just, well, last Monday, the intercessory prayer, we walked in and, and uh, the Friedels were there and they were already praying. This is before 7 o'clock, you know, when we got there. And they were praying for Israel. And we just kind of fell right in line and started praying. And people, as they come in, they saw we were already praying and just started praying for Israel. And I know there was a Friday night meeting when there a night for prayer for Israel. Praise the Lord. So let's continue to pray for Israel. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I was asking the Lord, you know, as we're studying, or I was studying for this message, you know, Brother, Brother Doug shared kind of what he went over last week. So this week, he asked me to preach on the, the wheat and the tares, to share on the wheat and the tares. And so uh, I was trying to say, Lord, you know, trying to be spiritual. Lord, what kind of special revelation do I need to give your people? Real holy sounding. <laughs> and all of a sudden his voice comes back. He said, just preach the word. I'll do the rest. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because I was going every which way. I was running down rabbit trails here and there trying to get a hold of what he was going to do what I was going to do. But anyway, I did want to share a little joke this morning. I posted it in Facebook, and uh, I've been in the dad jokes lately, and my wife would just wish I'd get over it. 
But you know, if you read the book of Stephen, it's as funny as in the eye of the beholder. Amen. Well, someone got it. <laughs> but anyway, I just thought this, I was going to share this little joke today. I said, yesterday, a book fell on my head. But I only have my shelf to blame. Oh, well, some of you got it. Now, Sister Barbara made a little comment under my post. She said, um, Barbara said, that speaks volumes. <laughs> That's funnier than my joke. <laughs> she had a little emoji in her little books up there. But anyway, thank you, Lord. Let's pray for just a minute. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing us upon your word, Lord. Lord, we just put your word out, Lord, and we know you honor your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, hopefully I'm not going to try to keep you all too long. Uh, I don't know how long it's going to go, but the most important thing is the word. And uh, used to, I'd preach an hour. You can ask my sons. They thought I'd never get done preaching when I was pastoring because I, I just kept talking. But uh, thank you, Lord. But this one, I think, I think it pretty well tells you what it is. We're talking about the wheat and the tares. So if you got your Bibles, we're back in Matthew. And we, Doug shared on this last week about parables. And the Lord ministered a lot in parables. Could I have my water? I meant to bring it up earlier. But he spoke in parables. He, he put a lot of truth out there. He put stories out there. And uh, a lot of times, you know, people, it would just go over their head. What's he talking about? But the stories had truth in it. And Jesus always say, him that has ears, you know, that has ears, let him hear. What, what, what are you saying? And every, uh, everyone has ears, but not everyone hears. And so the Lord was speaking in parables. Verse 13, I mean, chapter 13, let's start off here at verse 24, read through 26. Again, we talked last week about the sower sows the word. That's being us, that God's called us in the body to sow the word, and the ground is the heart of people, the hearts of believers, and where we're at in our life. And, and I, I think we've all had that different type in our life, different grounds at times. We were able to receive the word, but there's been times it's just, it didn't get planted deep enough, or we let the cares of this world take it away. So that was last week, but this week, now we're talking about the, the weeds or the tares and the wheat. Amen. Verse 24, it says, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his fields. But while the man slept, while the man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Let's jump down here to verse 36. Now, Lord, he shares a little bit more truth to his disciples. You see, those that seek him, he's going to reward them. And they, they gave up everything. They gave up home, family to follow Christ. 
And God, you're going to follow him. He's going to share his truths to you. He's going to give you more. And that's what he did. He gave the disciples more. There in verse um, 36 says, Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. Verse um, 37 goes on, he answered and said to them, again, he's expounding on his parable. He says, he sows the good seed as, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. Now, Jesus used the son of man a lot of times in the gospel, I believe around about 38 times or so. And when he always, well, actually more, I think it's more than that, maybe 80 something times. Uh, but he referred to the son of man as himself. He considered himself the son of man. And so, we can see right here in verse 37, he says, I sowed the good seed is the son of man. And the field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. Again, unlike the first parable, in this parable, it's Jesus that's the sower, sowing into the world. And the world is this earth. I know I've heard in the past, he's talking about, sometimes people talk about, he's talking about the church. No, he's not talking about the church. Jesus is pretty specific here. He's talking about the world. And that's where he plants the seed, and the seed comes forth. So we can see here that uh, we understand that Jesus is a sower. He's sowing into the world. And in that, he plants, he plants good seeds. And we see that uh, those seeds, that's you and I. And then there's the bad seed. The devil comes, the enemy. And he comes and he sows bad seeds. Jesus said, the fields of the world, God's seeds are the sons of God. Of, of God's good, the good seed, sorry, is the sons of the kingdom. And the tares are the sons of the wicked one. We understand that Jesus, through his uh, body, he's the head, and we're his body. He uses us to preach. He uses us to sow his seed. But, and, the, and we're to share the gospel of Christ. We're to share his kingdom to the world. But uh, Satan also uses men, and he sows, and he sows a false gospel. He sows a gospel of, of works. See, God, when he uses us, he uses us. God's work used angels. I mean, a demon, uh, the devils use demons. But, uh, you know, but ultimately, God is our source. He's the source of, the, of, of, of sowing. So, uh, and Satan is trying to sow, sow a false gospel. Again, uh, the enemy of God just... Uh, he likes to take God's truth, he's a father of lies, and change it. He gets us off into works. Uh, someone, got their, someone got an NIV Bible? Or if you got your phone? <laughs> Could you pull up a Galatians 1, 6 through 8? Someone have that? If you got a good loud voice, could I ask you to could read? That loud so everyone can hear. 
Brother Monday, you got it? Not yet? Good. As soon as you get it, let me know. But Paul addresses the Galatians in chapter 1, 6 or 8. Paul said he, he marveled, the old King James says, but he was surprised that they would turn away from the gospel of Jesus Christ and turn to another gospel. You see, the, the Judaism would come in. They would try to put this congregation or this group of Galatians back under a works mentality instead of a grace and faith mentality. Do you have that? Does someone else have it? You have it? Okay, can you read that, please? I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Eventually, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are, excuse me, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Amen. Amen. You can see uh, that they were trying to put them back into a gospel. If you ever want to understand the world religion, is that religion. Unlike God's kingdom, religion's based on works. They're trying to work their way into heaven, if they believe there's a heaven, but they're trying to work their way. And, and it's just, they just, no matter what they do, you can never be good enough. And we can see that back in Genesis, in chapter 1, where uh, the certain serpent came in in the garden. And... Uh, you know, the Lord called him, he's the father, Satan's the father of lies. So he comes into the garden, he says, you won't die. He's talking to Adam and Eve. He says, you know what's good and evil. You'll know what's good and evil. But it wasn't what he's lying, because it wasn't the good that God talks about. Because they, Adam and Eve walked with God. They saw his goodness. They witnessed his goodness. They knew what goodness was about. But I want to explain show you that this was a different good that they're looking at. And this good, all of a sudden they saw themselves naked. Now comes self-works. They're going to try to cover their nakedness. What do they do? They gather leaves or figs or whatever and try to cover themselves up. And you know, that's just going to wither away. <laughs> that just blows away at the end. It was their works they're trying to do it. But God comes along. Amen. Jehovah Rapha, the God our provider, he provides a covering for men. And we can see this is the first time besides bruising the serpent's head that talks about a few verses earlier, but this is showing the plan of redemption, that he killed those innocent animals, shed their blood, and covered Adam and Eve. That's a, probably the first time we could see in the Testament it was showing forth what was going to happen later, that it was going to take an innocent, the blood to be shed from an innocent and the cover. But what's nice about that is now it doesn't only cover our sins, the Christ's blood, but it takes away our sins. Amen? Amen. Thank God for that. And you know, I'm not going to keep you too long, but I, I, some of y'all probably minister to people that, you know, you get out and you minister the word, and I've asked them, I go, what, what makes you think, uh, how do you get to heaven? 
And I've heard this answer, and I'm sure you guys, you know, y'all heard it too. But they say, well, you know, uh, if we just do our best, if we do good, you know, God's going to weigh our good and our bad. So if we're just good enough, you know, we're going to get there. Amen? <laughs> that's, that's what I hear. And I said, you know, and, I, and I'm walking in love trying to tell them, uh, you know, our works is like rags. It's, it's, it's uh, our own righteousness. It's filthy rags, it says in Isaiah. There's no way. I mean, you could be 90% good, but you're still not going to get to heaven from your works. It's, it's, again, it's that religious spirit. It's that seed that Satan has sown into the world and that men tries to solve their own problems, tries to see their own goodness. I have a friend that I knew since fifth grade, and uh, I, I talked to him about the Lord, and I, I say, you know, I know I'm going to heaven. And he goes, well, how do you know you're going to heaven, Steve? You know, and he came from a, a church that probably built a lot on works. I mean, you, you, they, they preach good, preach family values and all that stuff, but, but they got off in works so much. And I just share him, you just can't be good enough. And he just couldn't wrap his head around that because he thought, damn, well, if I'm good enough, you know, even after going to church and all this stuff, still, I, you know, he didn't know if he's going to heaven or not because he just built his uh, faith on works. Let's read back up at verse 25. It says, But while man slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Now jump down to verse 39. The enemy, then he's expounding on his parable, the enemy who sowed, sowed them is the devil, and a harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Now, in the old King James, it says, you know, uh, there in uh, 39, it says the harvest is the end of the age. It, they said end of the world. But, but a better translation, which is the most of y'all translation, is, it's age. It's that age. It's that age in time. It's when the time were, uh, where it's not quite yet that age, what I see. I believe it's future. I like, I've been listening, I listen to a lot of YouTube, and I've listened to Bethel TV and stuff, and I've been listening to, to, to some uh, vineyard, vineyard pastors. And I, I, this saying caught me, and it, it, and it bared witness to my spirit about the age and the time. And, uh, and I like the way they were teaching. And I know some of y'all know this, but it says, he was expounding on, on today. It says that the kingdom is already, and then not yet. Is that when Christ came the first time, he was preaching his kingdom and, and, and establishes the kingdom, but he's going to come a second time and bring that together. What I mean is it's already, but not yet, is that today we pray, we teach healing, and we see people healed, but we don't see everybody healed. We preach deliverance, and we see people delivered, but we don't see everybody delivered. We preach goodness, but yet there's still evil in this world. There's still things that take place, wars and all that stuff. So even though we're preaching the kingdom, so thy kingdom come, we're still waiting for the, I like the way they said the, the consummation, Christ's second coming. Now, I'm not teaching rapture, wait for this, wait for that, this end of times, that end of times. 
I'm talking, Jesus talking about this time. I believe it's the final harvest, the end harvest. When he comes back physically upon this earth, the consummation of that time. And he takes evil completely out of the world. He takes sickness completely out. So that's what I believe Jesus was talking about here in verse 39. He says, the enemy who sowed is the devil and the harvest of the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. Amen. He's letting the angels, at that time he's going to separate the wheat from the tares. But you notice that what I want to get to a little bit of focus on today, that when we see the tares, that's, that's, that's like uh, a little modern word for it would be darnell. It's a wheat. It's, it looks like wheat. And we see the enemy went and sowed it in there. But when it starts growing, you can't tell the difference between wheat and a tare, a darnell. But you eat enough darnell, darnell can actually kill you. So that's the enemy. He wants to, ever so comes in, and it, I mean, it looks good. <laughs> you know, it looks like wheat. And we, and, 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 but, but then again, we don't know if it's wheat or not until the end. And that's when he sends his angels to separate it. But we walk back up here, and it says back here in verse uh, 28, well, actually, 27, go back. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us to go up and gather them up? Yes. That's right, no. You know, too many of us try to say, Well, you know, I'm going to do God's work, and I'm going to go in there and just, we'll separate the wheats and the tares. But God didn't call us to do that. And one of the biggest reasons... Before we came to his kingdom, we looked like a weed. We looked like a tear. I don't know about you, but you wouldn't have been able to tell me from what the world was. And so if I went in there, I'd probably act too early and try to separate the wheat and the world. And God's not finished with a lot of people. Amen? In fact, there's a lot of people that come to the Lord, but they never get past there. It's like... I was raised in a church. I got saved. It's like uh, Brother Doug was sharing earlier. I got saved. Now I'm just going to wait for the sweet by and by and Lord take care of it when I get there. God's got a lot more for us to do. But because of that mentality, I never got deeper into the Lord, never got deeper into his word. I'm just sitting there twiddling my thumbs. And, you know, it, it's so many Christians, and I don't mean... To, you know, I try, I try to get this straight. But, you know, there's a lot of carnal Christians. The Bible talks about that. People that just don't grow anymore in the Lord. And we can get on a, a righteous box and go along and start pulling all these weeds and not realizing the harm we can do on people. Amen? God didn't call us to pull, to pull those kinds of weeds. What I mean is that a few years back, we moved up here. My, my in-laws, they used to live in uh, California, and they had a deli business, and it burnt down, so they moved up here to Grants Pass. And that's how we got to know Grants Pass is back in the late 80s. 
And uh, my father-in-law, being his parents were from the old country, they're, they're Italians. So my father-in-law was a blood Italian, which makes my wife Italian, and it makes my kids quarter whoppers. <laughs> sorry, that's a joke, sorry. Sorry, Lord, I was in the flesh. But anyway, but you got to know my father-in-law. He kind of talked gruffy. I mean, he's the father-in-law. You know what I mean? <laughs> you do what he says. And so you want to keep peace with the family. So we're getting ready. We, we're living in town over here off Mayfield, off Williams Highway. And uh, we're fixing up the backyard. We got something coming up, I believe a party. And so my father-in-law comes over. He's going to show me how to do it. And I'm not going to argue with him. He's my father-in-law. He's Italian. You don't want to argue with Italian. So he puts, he gets his big sprayer tank on his back and he pumps this thing up and it's full of, it's full of Roundup. And he goes, I'll take care of this because, you know, we're wanting to get the grass. He just, and he's going down and he turns around and he goes around and he goes back and forth and he says, ah, that'll take care of it, Steve. Well, <laughs> a couple of days later, yeah, it took care of it. It took care of a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff that we planted we didn't want took it out of it. So, but, you know, he, he had a good heart, but, you know, he overdid it. And I think it's kind of like the Lord looks at us. God didn't call us to the ministry, ministry of Roundup. He didn't call us out there to spray a bunch of weeds. Amen. Because the problem is we're going to take everything out if we don't watch what we're doing because we can't tell the difference. And so God bless him. You know, he was doing the best he can. But, you know, that's the way we're supposed to preach the gospel. We're not set there to teach them doctrine, to teach them where they're off, to teach them where they're wrong. I remember uh, in Bible school, we had Dr. Summerall came and shared in one of our classes for a week. And he talked about when he w was in the missionary field, and he would go out to these villages, and, and they would be so superstitious. And they usually had a witch doctor in the bunch. And so uh, he didn't go in there and try to straighten out their, where they're wrong, tell them where they're wrong. But he came in there and preached Jesus. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. You see, God will confirm his word if we get out there and put it forth. It's God starts confirming his word. And he, all of a sudden, God's changing hearts. He's saving villages. Amen. He gets the witch doctor saved. And then back in 2019, Franklin Graham gets invited to uh, Cambodia. Now, most of y'all know Franklin Graham is the son of Billy Graham, evangelist. And so he gets invited over to Cambodia. And if you know anything about Cambodia, most of that nation is Buddhist. Now, Franklin didn't go over there and tell the Buddhists where they were wrong. He didn't point that out. But he did point out the love of Christ and led many Buddhists to the Lord that day. So the Lord didn't give us a, a roundup ministry to go out and start spraying weeds and stuff. Amen. He sent the angels in this day, in that day, in that hour, this great harvest, he sent the angels to do the separation. Verses uh, 39 through 43. Let's read that. My page blue. It says, and the enemy who sold them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, are, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels. They will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend. 
those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire, and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Or he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen? The angels are going to be sent out. And I like what was, if you back up a few chapters, back up to Matthew chapter 3. Verse 11 and 12. And this is John the Baptist talking. And he's sharing along about these lines through the Spirit. Starting off at verse 11, chapter 3, verse 11. John talking, it says, I indeed baptized you in water unto repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fires. Now, understand back in the biblical time here is that they would take, they'd have to wait till the harvest came to fullness. Everything came up. They didn't go out tearing, taking the tares out. They would, the men would go out and gather the wheat. They'd gather whatever's there. If there's tares in it, they just gather it all. And they would find a place in the country like a mountainside or somewhere where there's a breeze there. And this whittling fork, what's used here today, we would call it a pitchfork. And so the men would bring that, the harvest in, they would pile it there. And then the ladies would take the whittling fork. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a Texan trying to talk English. So anyway, they'd, they'd take that whittling fork and they'd throw it up in the air. They'd throw that pile up in the air. And when it go up in the air, the wind would catch it and blow the chaff and the weeds out. And they would continually toss it up into the air. The wheat was heavier, so the wheat fell down. So they'd keep with the winnowing, winnowing forks, keep tossing it up. The wind kept blowing until finally all they had left was the wheat. And I think that's kind of what the Lord was sharing in this parable, that he's in control. We're just to grow and produce fruit for his kingdom. We don't have to work at it. We just got to let him produce it out of us because that's what's in us. That's the seed that was planted, his kingdom. We just got to let his kingdom come forth, produce the good fruit. And there's going to come a time at this age that he's going to separate all that. Now, I don't believe it's now, but I believe we're getting there. Steve, could you set that song up? I kind of want to close it because I don't want to keep you all too long. But there is a, a truth for us in this. And that a lot of times in our life, we get weeds put in there. The enemy will sow a weed, sow a thought, sow something negative. I know he's did in my life. He sowed condemnation. In fact, he sowed a lot of stuff. I was just praying, Lord, I need a crop failure because I don't want this stuff to come to pass. Amen. But, we, but that's the way the enemy is. He'll get us in a lot of shortcomings, uh, you know, a lot of guilt. A lot of condemnation, a lot of unworthiness, a, a, a lot of, like, why should I be healed? 
You don't know what I've done. The Lord ain't looking at what you've done. He knows there's a good crop going to come out of you. And we're not out to set everybody else's doctrine straight, the world straight. That's their religion. But we are to take the weeds out of our own garden. We're allowed to do that. We're allowed to keep our gardens clean and put forth. Steve, you got that song? I wanted to read a scripture in closing. Now I'm using my phone. I'm getting techno-wise. Techno <laughs> <laughs> I, I took a picture of the scripture and I put it over my picture thing so I can go to it. That's how tech savvy I am. Now my grandson, he's 10. He runs circles around me. But anyway, this is the way Grandpa does it. Amen. 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 21 in the Amplified says, Now in a large house there are not only vessels and objects of gold and silver, but also vessels and objects of wood and of earthenware. Some are for honorable, noble, good use, and some for dishonorable, ignoble, common. Therefore, if anyone cleanseth himself from these things which are dishonorable, disobedient, sinful, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, set apart for the special purpose and useful for the master prepared for every good work. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be a, a master pleaser, not a world pleaser. I'm not here to earn my way. There we go. What I like to do is Open the altar up. And there could be things in our lives we don't think about, but, it, but it, it, it's hindering us. It gets in the way of us being master pleasers with the servant's heart. And I believe this morning we can give that to the Lord. We can throw our life up like the winnowing fork that the women would do and see that stuff blown out. See that stuff that's hindering us. See that stuff that doesn't need to be in God's kingdom. That Satan has tried to plant something to take our faith, steal our faith, to steal our joy. Jesus came to give us life more abundantly. Amen. He came to fill us, to use us, to produce good fruit. And we need to focus on that. We need to come to the Lord. Give those shortcomings to the Lord. Amen. To do what he wants. Praise the Lord. Can you all stand, please? Thank you, Lord. Again, the altar is open. If you feel led to come up, come on up. Get rid of that excess baggage if you have any today. But God will use you in a mighty way. It's like Brother Doug said to me, God's not finished with you yet. The best is yet to come. I believe that. And I hold on to that. I hold on to that. It's the word of the Lord over my life, over my wife's life. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you. We give our life to you, Lord. Lord, this morning we want you to use us in a mighty way, Lord. Lord, do we not be able to see with our physical eyes? The enemy has tried to blind us, but we know, Lord, if we give it to you, Lord, you'll take it away. You created us the clean heart, Lord. Lord, work with us this morning. We give it to you. Set us apart. Build your life in us, Lord. Build your love in us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know you're the only foundation, Lord. We ask that, Lord. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. As Steve was sharing, I just kind of had this imagery of a lot of us. We work in a place or go to a place and we're so focused on the weeds around us we miss we miss the reason why we're there the good seed is the children of the kingdom of the heaven yes that's the good seed that's us who believe in Jesus Amen. and God casts us out into the world that's right to shine as a light so if you're working in an environment where you're just going oh I can't stand this I'm telling you, God has sown you into that field for a reason. You're there to shine. Amen. You're there to grow and be strong and mighty because the world is watching us. Yes. The world is watching us. So I, I just want to throw that out. If that's you, if you're struggling with just that thought that, man, God, I just feel like I'm stuck in this place and I'm surrounded by weeds. Yes. I think you need a new lens. Amen. Amen. So, Father, I just pray for those that are feel like they're stuck in a place, God, that's hard and everything around them is just hard and all they see is weeds and just the ugliness of what's going on. Father, I just pray that you would give them a lens, a new lens, the ability to see that you place them for su- there in that place for such a time as this. And that is to shine, oh, shine in a powerful way that would bring hope. They would be like a lighthouse in the darkness on a stormy night. And that light would flash and it would bring hope to those that are around it. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus' name.